Hey, can we give it up for the band one more time? Were they not? Gosh, I swear, when Evie and Emily are together, I can close my eyes and feel like I think this is what heaven is going to sound like. It's incredible. I love having them here. Man, and I love looking out and seeing so many of y'all here tonight. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name's Gerald. I work here at Inside Out. Uh, so pumped if you're new that you're here for the first time. I'm so pumped to be here. I get jacked up every week for Inside Out because I really do believe it's the best night of the week. Uh, and honestly, some, this is gonna sound kind of lame because I'm like 26 and I should have like other friends who are like my age. But honestly, some of my best friends are you guys. And I get so excited to see you and just hear about what's going on in your lives and what you've been up to over the last week or so. And so I'm so pumped uh, to wrap up this series that we've been calling All In Together. Now, if you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, I just want to take a couple of minutes to catch you up uh, because we've been talking about these different areas of life that we think if you would go all in with, you would get the most out of your high school career, but not just the most out of high school, not just the most out of the semester, but the most out of life. And so week one, my friend Adam was here, my good Irish friend Adam was here, and he talked about this idea of going all in with Jesus. And we could look at it like this. He talked about going all in with him. And he said, man, that ultimate freedom, the most freedom that you'll ever experience is found in actually surrendering to Jesus and giving your life to him. And that if we would go all in with that idea, our lives would completely change. And then the second week, my good friend Beth was here, uh, and I thought she did an incredible job. And she talked a little bit about her story and, and some of the identity issues that she dealt with in high school. And then she talked about your identity and your identity in Christ. And she said, your identity isn't in what you do, but your identity is found in what Christ says is true. And so there's something that Jesus says is true about you, and that you're loved, that you're a child of God. And that there's nothing you can do to change that identity. It has nothing to do with what you do, but it has everything to do with what Christ says is true. And so week two, we talked about me. Week one, we talked about going all in with him. Week two, we talked about going all in with me. And then week three, we talked about going all in with them. We talked about going all in with your family. And Adam was back last week, then he talked about this idea that in order to go all in with our family, we have to be all in for our family. We have to want the best for them. And for some of us, that means starting with just forgiving and learning to, to write down all of the things that our family has done against us or done wrong and then write them off and let them go and learn to forgive them so that we could be all in for our family. And like I said a little while ago, this week we're wrapping up the series by talking about going all in with us. We're talking about going all in with inside out, going all in with the church. And so that's what we wanna talk about tonight. Week one, him. Week two, me. Week three, them in week four is us. And before we get into any of that stuff, you guys know I love to ask questions. So I want to start off by asking you all this question right here. Have you ever been somewhere awesome? All right, some people, like, shout them out. Tell me some awesome places you've been. Where, the walk? Good answer. Who, where else? Where? where? Harry Potter World. Okay. Yep, anywhere else? Somewhere? Alaska, no way. Where? Australia, okay, incredible. Give me one more. Someone like, where's the, who has the craziest one? Japan, what? You've never been to my house, Gabe. That is a lie, okay? You're at church. We're gonna take Japan, we're gonna take Japan, right? Like we've all been places that we would consider awesome, right? I've been to a few places that I think are pretty awesome. I got to go to Israel a couple of summers ago. That was really awesome. Uh, this summer, I get to go back to South Africa. Any South Africa peep in the room? Okay, yeah, y'all need to represent a little bit stronger next time. Okay, you're making me look bad. If I said Philippines, see what happens? South Africa, come on, get it together. If I said Costa, 
Yeah, okay, you're, you're, it's too late. It's too late. If I said Costa Rica, see, South Africa, we really got to work on this. Our next meeting, we're going to work on it. Uh, but, but I've had a chance to go to a few places that I think are really, really awesome. But more recently, I've been to a place that's kind of domestic. It's like right here in Atlanta that I think is really awesome. Maybe some of you have been there. It's this place right here, Pont City Market. Anyone been to Pont City? Anyone been to Pont City? Yeah. Um, if you haven't been to Pont City, the best way for me to describe this is a hipster cafeteria. It's basically what it is, right? It's like all of these people who are dressed in like jeans that have holes in the knees, don't judge me. And uh, they walk around and there's like all of these different restaurants that you can eat at and you just kind of walk around and hang out. And then all, there's all these different stores and stuff that you could shop at. But I've gone to Pont City Market a few times and have absolutely fallen in love with this place. Like this place is one of my favorite places to go. I love it so much that um, I went there with a group of my friends a group of my friends who work here, we all went together. And I loved it so much that time that I, when my brother was back in town from school, I took him with me and so we went together. And then we had such a great time that I invited my parents and so me and my parents went down and had a great time. And then I loved it so much with my parents that I actually took a couple of dates to Pont City Market, which is incredible. Um, yeah, one person is clapping. Everyone else is like, you're a liar. You've never been on a date. That's right, I'm a pastor, I don't date. Um, no, I'm kidding. I've been on a couple of dates at Pont City and Pont City, is one of my favorite places. Now here's the thing. Me saying that I've been to Pont City doesn't surprise you guys. Me saying that I've invited people to Pont City doesn't surprise you guys either, right? Because typically when we experience things that we think are awesome, when we experience awesome things, our human tendency is to do one of two things. When we experience awesome things, we tell people about it and we invite people to it. Like when we experience things that we think are incredible, whether it's a movie, whether it's a place that you've been, whether it's a mission trip that you've been on, whether it's your parents' lake house or beach house, some of you know exactly where you're gonna go for spring break already because last year you experienced something awesome at someone's beach house and you're like, I have to go back to that house. Like, it's incredible, there's like 17 bedrooms and an elevator, that's the place that we have to be. Typically, when you experience something awesome, you tell people about it and you invite people to it. Now, you guys are smart, so you already know where this is going, right? Like, you know exactly what I'm gonna say next. We should invite people to Inside Out. Why? Well, because I think it's awesome. Now, I don't know if you necessarily feel that way. Like, maybe you're here for the first time and you're like, you know what, Gerald, I don't know why you're inviting me to something or telling me, telling me to invite people to something. And I just want you to know, if you're here for the first time, like, you don't have to do that. Like, there's no pressure for you to invite people to Inside Out, but we hope that tonight you experience something that makes you wanna come back and maybe you enjoy it so much that you wanna bring a friend with you when you come back on the 14th. For others of you, you've been coming for a little while now and you're like, man, there's something that makes me come back each and every week and I don't know what it is for you. I don't know the reason that you keep coming back. I would assume if I were gonna guess that it would be your small group and how awesome your small group leaders are, but you come back every single week and whatever reason it is that you decide to come back every week, I think that's reason enough for you to invite your friends. For others of you, you're just here because your parents are forcing you to come to church every Sunday. And I totally get that because when I was in ninth grade, especially, my parents would force me to do things all the time that I didn't really wanna do. And I get that, but if you're here for that reason, then I would say you should invite people anyway because if you have to be here, you might as well be here with your friends, right? With the people that you like. Now for others of us in the room, you would consider yourself a Christian. You would say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I just wanna let you know for us, that isn't really an option. Like we don't really get to choose whether we're gonna invite people or not. This is actually something that Jesus commanded us to do. He said this, this was one of the last things he said to his disciples before he left. He said, 
Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus basically looks at his disciples and says, hey, this movement that I've allowed you to be a part of, as I'm leaving, you have a role to play. And it's to invite more people to be a part of following me, to be a part of the Jesus movement, and to be a part of the church. And so if we're Christians, we really don't have a choice in this matter. Like, we're supposed to invite people. And so because I knew you guys were smart, and I knew that you guys would know that that's where I would be heading, is, hey, if we experience awesome things and we invite our friends to awesome stuff, and if if Inside Out is awesome, we should invite our friends to Inside Out. Because I knew you guys were smart enough to figure that out, I want you to know that that's not my goal for the night. My goal isn't to convince you to invite people to Inside Out. Because if that was the case, I would be done right now. I wouldn't really have much more to say. So my goal isn't to convince you to invite people out. My goal isn't to convince you to, but to show you what happens when we do. My goal for the night is not to convince you to do anything that you don't want to do. My goal is simply to show you what would happen if a group of people, if a group of students in Forsyth County decided to go all in and decided to take this idea of inviting personally. And so to do that, I want to tell you a story. It's a story that's found in the book of Acts. And it's a story of Jesus' closest followers. It's a story of two guys who decided to go all in and who took what Jesus said personally about inviting. So I want to set it up and then we'll pick up halfway through the story. Here's what's going on. Jesus has just left. Uh, And his 12 disciples have kind of gathered around. They're sitting in a room, and in that room, they have this incredible encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's called the Day of Pentecost. And some things kind of crazy happen in that room, but in that moment, they're filled with the Spirit of God. And so basically, they have this courage that they've never had before. And so they walk out into the streets, into Jerusalem, and they start telling people about Jesus. And then a little while later, there's a guy named Peter and a guy named John, who were two of Jesus' disciples. And they're traveling, and they're going to the temple to pray. And as they're on the way to the temple, they walk through this gate, and it's a gate called Beautiful. And at this gate, there's a man who the Bible says he's been lame from birth. Not lame and like, I don't want to hang out with you because you're lame, but lame and like, I'm paralyzed, and I can't stand or walk. And he's laying by the gate, and every day he begs, and he asks people to give to him. And so Peter and John are walking by him. And Peter says, look at me. Because I would imagine this man is so embarrassed and so shameful because all he can do every day is get up and beg. And so Peter says, look at me, look me in my eyes. And Peter says, man, listen, 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 silver and gold I have not, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. So they help him up. And this man who had never walked before was able to not only walk, but he was running and jumping and skipping. And so him and Peter and John walk into Jerusalem. And now everyone's amazed. They're in awe. They're seeing this guy who they've seen by the gate called Beautiful pretty much all of his entire life, begging, who had never been able to get up and walk. And now they see him not only walking, but running and jumping and skipping. And they're like, oh my goodness, what is going on? How did this happen? We thought Jesus was gone. How in the world did this happen? And they see Peter and John, and they knew that they were followers of Jesus. And so Peter and John, as all of the crowds gathered, I would imagine it was something like what we're in right now with this number of people, probably more. And Peter and John begin to teach. 
and tell the people about Jesus. And that is where the story picks up. It says this. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people. Proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, they seized Peter and John because it was evening and they put them in jail until the next day. So here's what's going on. Peter and John are teaching these crowds of people. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, come the guys, the Sadducees, the priests, the Pharisees, the people who had literally killed Jesus. And they see these guys teaching and they're like, no, 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 no. This whole Jesus thing is supposed to be over. Why are you talking about him again? Like, we're done with the Jesus thing. Let it go. Stop telling people that he rose from the dead and stop telling them that you can have hope in him. It's over with. You know what? We're so fed up of it. We're taking Peter, we're taking John, and we're putting them in jail overnight. You have to imagine how they might feel. Because not only are they in jail, but they're probably in a similar jail cell, if not the exact same one that Jesus was in, where he was tortured and beaten before he was crucified. And so they take Peter and John and they put them in jail overnight. And then the next morning, they have a conversation with them. And they basically tell them like, hey, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. And Peter, like out of nowhere, goes ham on them. I don't know where it came from. The spirit of God was in him. He starts going ham. And he's like, listen, not only am I gonna preach to those people, I'm gonna preach to you. And so he starts preaching to them. And they're like, what is going on? Like these two people should not have any authority or courage to be doing this. So they're frustrated. And they send them back and they start to have a conversation among themselves. And at the end of the conversation, they decide to call Peter and John back. Here's what happens next. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied. Peter and John looked back at the same people who had killed Jesus. And they said this. They don't want us to talk about Jesus. So we're going to talk about Jesus. Major key. I'm just kidding. If you follow DJ Khaled on Snapchat, you know what I'm talking about. That's not what they said. Here's what they actually said. They said, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to listen to him? Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me not to talk about Jesus anymore because you killed him. I should probably be afraid of you. But he rose from the dead. So which do you think I'm gonna do? Am I gonna listen to you or I'm gonna to listen to the guy that I saw come back from the dead. You be the judge. You have to imagine the boldness in which they are talking to these Sadducees and these Pharisees and these teachers of the law. These are literally the people that just killed Jesus. They should be terrified. They should be afraid. But instead, they're bold. And they continue. They say this, as for us, as for, I don't know about anyone else, but as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we've heard. As for us, we're going to tell people about Jesus. We're going to tell people what we've seen and what we've heard, because here's why. We've experienced something incredible. We've experienced something awesome. We've experienced something amazing. We watched this man walk on water. We watch this man heal people. We watch this man come back from the dead. We've experienced the most incredible thing, the most amazing thing, the most awesome thing to have ever happened on planet Earth. And you're telling me that we're not supposed to talk about it? You're crazy. 
We have no choice but to tell what we've seen, what we've heard. Guys, here's what I see in the story. First, I see some people who have experienced something awesome. In the case of this story, it's Peter and John. Peter and John have experienced something incredible. I think as we look at our own lives, that would be us in this room. Especially if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus. Or if you've been to my life, if you've been to The Walk, or if you've been to VR, I think we would fall in the category of people who have experienced something that's awesome. But also in the story, I see this. I see people who need to experience something awesome. You see, on one side, there's a group of people, us, Peter and John, who have experienced something incredible. But then on the other side, there's a group of people who need to experience something awesome. In the case of Peter and John, it was the people in Jerusalem. They needed to know that they could have hope and life in Jesus and that he was the Messiah and that all they had to do was put their faith in him to have eternal life. They needed to know that. For us, I think it's the students at Central. I think it's your friends at Central who, who aren't here on Sundays. I think it's your friends at Lambert. I think it's your friends at South. I think it's the students at North. I think it's the students at West. I think it's the students at Gainesville and all of those other schools that are out there in Narnia. I think that it's them. I think it's the people that you're on a sports team with. You play basketball or football or cross or cross country, even though it's not really a sport. It's really not. Think about it. It's just running for like 12 days. But, but I think it's them. I think it's the people that you, that you do DECA with. I think it's the people that you're in clubs with. I think it's the people that you hang out with on the weekends. I think when we start to think about the people who need to experience something awesome, you know exactly who it is. And yet we fall in the category of people who have. And then there's this thing in the middle. It's a barrier. There's something that's standing in the way. You see, in the story we just looked at, Peter and John are the ones who've experienced something awesome. The people in Jerusalem are the ones who need to experience it. And the barrier that's in their way are these Sadducees and these teachers of the law. The people who had just killed Jesus two months before. But not only is it a barrier, I think it's something much bigger than that. I think that barrier could be defined with this word, fear. You see, if we were in that situation, how would we respond? If we were looking eye to eye with the people who had just killed our master, our Messiah, and our king, how would we respond? If I'm honest, I don't, I don't know that I would have done what they did. I would have looked at them and said, wait, 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 you just killed. No, I'm good. I'm good. You don't want me to talk? I won't talk about it anymore. You got it. I would have let fear get in the way. But instead, Peter and John looked fear right in the eye. I said, no, 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 no. We've experienced something awesome. They need to know about it. So fear can't stand in the way. You see, for us, I think we've experienced something awesome we know the people who need to know about it, but there's a fear that's in our way. Maybe it's a fear of rejection like we talked about earlier. You're like, man, I really want to invite them, but I'm just afraid that they're going to say no and I'm going to look like an idiot. 
And so you allow fear to stand in the way and you shrink back. You don't invite. Maybe it's not a fear of rejection for you. Like maybe it's a fear of looking like a hypocrite because if you're honest, you were just out with them Saturday night. Like you were just drinking with them last night. You're like, I'm gonna go to Inside Out, but there's no way that I could invite them because I'm just literally gonna look like a hypocrite. And there's a fear of looking less than or looking like a hypocrite that keeps you from inviting. Maybe for you, it's not either of those. Maybe it's a different fear. I don't know what it is for you, but I would imagine that as you think about people at your school, as you think about people who you know need to be at Inside Out, fear gets in the way. Maybe you don't wanna come across as judgmental and you don't wanna be that Christian that looks down on everyone else. Fear gets in the way. You see, fear, guys, is often the barrier to faith. Fear is often the barrier to faith, and our fear is often the thing that keeps us from sharing our faith and from sharing the most incredible, the most amazing, and the most awesome news on the planet, the fact that God would love us so much that he would send his son to die on our behalf. We don't have to do anything to earn it. Now, here's the difference between us and Peter and John. You see, Peter, Peter and John saw something that I thought or that I think gives them the courage to do what they did. Peter and John, if we rewind back to Acts chapter four, verse four, before any of this other stuff happens, here's what Peter and John saw. Peter and John saw. said, but many who had heard the message believed. Many of the people that they were speaking to, many of those people who were in that crowd believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000 people. 5,000 people who decided to follow Jesus because Peter and John were willing to put their fear aside and share something awesome with the people who needed it the most. You know why this number 5,000 is such a big deal? It's not because it was 5,000 people. It's because 5,000 people equals 5,000 stories. 5,000 stories of people who were hopeless, who were alone, who were struggling, who found hope, who no longer had to be alone. And even if they struggled, they didn't have to do it by themselves. It was 5,000 stories. And there were stories just like Savannah's, just like this. Hi, I'm Savannah Satori. Before accepting Christ, my life was fairly normal and happy. My freshman year of high school, I made many new friends. One of them made a noticeable effort to invite me to Inside Out. I accepted. I hadn't been before and I didn't know what to expect. I immediately loved the atmosphere and the people around me, which kept me coming back. It took a few months, but I began to understand the messages and what they were saying. One night before bed, I was praying to God and I remember asking him how I could grow closer to him. I then remembered a message about accepting Jesus as your savior. I did just that very emotionally. I realized that I needed Jesus because he died for our sins. As a senior in high school, the stress of college is upon me and I find an immense amount of comfort in knowing that God has a plan for me. 
He works in incredible ways. He continues to amaze me and fill me with nothing but joy. I would like to thank my Inside Out small group and my family for showing me nothing but support. I would also like to thank Nikki Keene and Kaylee Anstis. Without you, I would not be as strong in my faith as I am now. I am here today to publicly proclaim Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Y'all, let me, let me tell you what I love so much about Savannah's story. There's not a lot of crazy in that story. There's not a lot of, oh my goodness, this happened to me in that story. But you know what makes that story so amazing? Is that one of Savannah's first sentences was in ninth grade. One of my friends made a noticeable effort to invite me to Inside Out. In ninth grade, one of my friends put their fear aside. They weren't afraid that I might say no. They weren't afraid that I would think they were judging me. But they made a noticeable effort. That word noticeable to me means that they really tried, that they went out of their way to make sure Savannah was that Inside Out. And here she is as a senior, standing in front of thousands of people, saying that I have a relationship with Jesus, and my life has changed because of it. I wonder if that would have ever happened if her friend didn't go out of the way and make the effort and put fear aside and invite Savannah to inside out. I wanna show you guys one more story. And this is a story of a small group leader here at Inside Out. It's their baptism, but it's their baptism all the way back in high school it's from their senior year. So check this out. Hey, my name's Mary Henner and I'm a senior at West Forsyth High School. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so I never understood the concept of going to church and what God's love was at a young age. And in eighth grade, my parents ended up getting a divorce, which had a huge effect on me and especially my relationship with my dad. In ninth grade, after a basketball practice, two of my senior teammates pulled me aside and really poured into my heart with God's word and what all he's done for us. And on January 29, 2010, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and made the best decision of my life. And shortly after that, I began attending Inside Out when one of my friends invited me. And I can't thank her enough for this because it has had such a huge effect on my high school career and has made it so much better. And through Inside Out, God has really shown me that he is such a provider because he's a perfect father. And he has provided me with over 600 students and leaders who are living to shine his light and live for him. So I'd like to thank my mom for supporting me through everything, my Mexico mission trip team for showing me how to serve the Lord with all their hearts, my small group for being there for me throughout high school, and most importantly, my small group leader, Maggie Adams, for leading me in my relationship with Jesus Christ and for showing me that God can do immeasurably more. So today I'm here to tell the world that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Mary didn't grow up a Christian. She didn't grow up in a house that talked about Jesus. But while playing basketball at West Forsyth, two of her friends set fear aside and said, we have awesome news and Mary needs to know it. Fear wasn't gonna stand in the way 
of them introducing Mary to a relationship with her heavenly father. Mary's a small group leader here at Inside Out. If, you, if you're in Mary's group, can, can you just stand real quick? I don't know where you guys are. Can y'all stand? Well, that's ironic. I didn't know they were on the front row. No, keep standing. Um, this is a group of girls. This is a group of girls that may not have Mary as a small group leader. If it wasn't for the fact that two girls on a basketball team took it seriously and invited them, invited her to Inside Out. Their small group leader was dependent on two girls in high school putting fear aside. Guys, this is such a huge deal. I don't want to leave them standing by themselves, though. So this is a little weird. We don't do stuff like this normally, but, but I just want to ask a question. If you are here, if you are at Brownsbridge, because an upstreet transit or at Inside Out, somebody invited you to be a part, would you just stand real quick? You wouldn't be here unless somebody invited you. Guys, look around the room. More than half of this room wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for a few people who took the idea of inviting personally and who set their fear aside. Why didn't everyone else just stand real quick? Stay quiet, just stand. I want you to look to your right. I want you to look to your left. I want you to look behind you. You'll notice that there's these black curtains all around the room. And every week, we come in early, we set them up so we can make this room a little bit smaller for you guys. Tonight, these curtains aren't curtains anymore. Tonight, these curtains are a representation of the barrier that's standing in the way. It's the fear that's standing in the way that's keeping us from inviting our friends to be a part of what's happening here at Inside Out. But more than that, it's the barrier that's keeping us and keeping our friends from a relationship with their heavenly Father. Guys, we don't want these curtains up anymore. And here's what's crazy about it. We did the math, and I'm not a numbers person, but, but, but here's the math. If every person in this room would just invite one person, there'd be over 1,500 people in this room and we would never put up curtains again. And we're not excited about that idea because we just want 1,500 people in the room. We're excited about that idea because of this. Because every number is a person. Every person is a story. And every story matters to God. Every number is a person. Every person is a story and every story matters to God. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to put your fear aside and to invite a friend to Inside Out. Here's the thing, guys. On the other side, on the other side, 
On the other side of your decision to put fear aside is a story. There's a story on the other side of your decision to put fear aside. And I believe that that story is on the other side of those curtains. And so as of tonight, we want those curtains to come down. And we don't want there to be any barrier that stands in the way of your friends in a relationship with their heavenly father. So we're gonna sing one last song together. And this song talks about the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus. And how anyone can have a relationship with him and how we get to be a part of making that happen by simply inviting. Tonight, the curtains come down, the barrier goes away, and our friends are welcomed here. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for these students. God, thank you so much for the opportunity that you give us to be a part of what you're doing, to be a part of your story, and to be a part of other people's story. God, I pray that this group of students would decide today to put their fear aside, to take the barrier down, and to make room for the people who need to know the awesome news of Jesus. That in every school, in every classroom, and in every family, someone would be invited. Not because we wanna have a massive room full of people, but because every person is a story. Every person matters to you. And you want to do massive things in and through us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.